following is a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network. Going beyond the box score and the diamond, this is the show with the latest news and information on your hometown nine and the entire organization. It's Inside Twins. Inside Twins is sponsored by Killebrew Root Beer, locally owned and operated. It's how memories are created and legends are made. And good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to our Sunday show, Inside Twins, brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer, locally owned and operated. It's how memories are created and legends are made. I'm Corey Provis. Fun day of programming coming up today on the Treasure Island Baseball Network as the Twins and the Royals wrap up this four-game series, also the seventh and final game of this week-long homestand. Twins and the Royals, one more time. Good pitching matchup today. Two veterans, Sonny Gray for the Twins, and Zach Granke opposes for Kansas City. So we thank you for joining us, and welcome to our Sunday show. With that, we do welcome in our guest on our Sunday program. Always great to catch up in person with Twins GM Thad Levine. Thanks for stopping by. It is my absolute pleasure. Hope everyone's having a glorious Memorial Day weekend, yeah, enjoying cer- time with their families. Certainly so, and we thank all of you for bringing us along with you throughout your weekend plans, uh, Twins Baseball on the radio. Final game of this series, and Thad, we're approaching the 50-game mark on the season is that a big number as you assess the team and where they're at, what's working, what's not, what's not, and what you need to add moving forward? You know, I, I think there's so many people throughout my career who have helped shape me and mold me as, as the person I am today. And I, I hearken back to a conversation I had with Billy Bean when I was very inexperienced in the game. And he said, if the, if the season is six months, use April and May to assess your team, June and July to make the necessary changes, and then August and September you basically sit back because it's past the trade deadline. There's only so much you could do. So whether it's 50 games or whether you look at it as April and May, I think you're still looking at that's the period of time you're really trying to assess your team. And and we all predict as best we can. We project what the team's going to do. But then once the season unfolds, you really start learning so much more about your club. And we're still within that window. And I think that window's starting to close and we're going to start transitioning here very soon to the time where you start making the adjustments to your team that are necessary to either push forward towards a championship a pursuit or maybe take a half step back. What adjustments? I know we're, we're a few days before that, that June 1st date, though, on the calendar, but what adjustments do you see this team needing moving forward? Well, you know, I think it's, it's really unfortunate, but ever since uh, the country's been afflicted with COVID, which is still ongoing, we just have seen such a spike in injuries uh, at the major league level. And whether it's due to that, whether it's due to the shortened season we had in 2020 or the shortened spring training we had this year, we're still setting records in, as ter- in terms of IL placements as, as a league. So, it, you know, it's not easy to answer that question because I'm not sure we, like so many teams, have truly been at full strength. So where the initial thing you're trying to assess is when are the guys who are hurt, when are they going to come back, and when can they make a true impact for your team? I think the good news about where we sit today is that so much of our strength lies in our depth. And we've seen it already this season with so many of our young players coming up and making real contributions. More are on the horizon. So we have the ability moment in time to not necessarily have to look exclusively from without to fill our our holes, but rather we can really look from within and see a path forward where we could see a real augmentation to our current group just by 
dipping down to AAA and maybe even to AA at some point in the season. Yeah, you know, that, that's a good segue because let's get into some injury discussion if we can. Max Kepler left the game yesterday with tightness in, in his right leg. An MRI was going to be performed. Did that happen, and do we know the results? Yes. So the, the feedback we got from the doctors last night was very, very positive, all things considered. Uh, I think Max is falling into a day-to-day uh, capacity right now. I think one thing we, we all have to appreciate about Max is – uh, when you look at the back of the baseball card, he just has played so many games over the last three to four seasons, and uh, that's a little bit atypical in today's game. But between he and, and Jorge Polanco, uh, they really have been able to go out there and, and play a, a dramatic a number and volume of games. So if Max needs a day or two here, he certainly earned it. Uh, the beauty of our team is we have the ability to have guys step in and help out. But the, the, the news is bright, and I think we think he should be back on the field hopefully in days to come. That's great. So no IL stint right now for, for Max Kelly. As we sit here today with the information we have, we, we're going to have to monitor this day day by day. Uh, but right now we're, we're optimistic. Gary Sanchez left the game also somewhat early yesterday with a heat-related illness. How's he doing today? Uh, really positive. You know, I, I think this happens infrequently, but it does still happen on the field where, you know, it just was – he was a little bit dehydrated, a little bit lightheaded. When we see those types of symptoms, especially for a guy who's catching in the game, you want to get him off his feet. You want to get him right so that that doesn't trail into a number of days of concern. So I think we're hopeful that he can bounce right back. You know, Miguel Sano, and I've tried to ask around about this uh, the last couple of weeks, and maybe you can give some clarity as, as to as to the timeline for Miguel. He had the surgery, I believe, in New York while the Twins were in Baltimore a while back. So with that time frame in mind, where's Miguel Sano at, even literally right now, physically? Is he rehabbing, and when will he return and resume baseball activity? So, you know, when you have these these types of surgeries, there's a prescriptive diagnosis and rehabilitation that is set up, and, and we did that. Now, it doesn't always go perfectly to plan. So even when you talk to the doctors in these instances, they give you a time frame of return. You know, it's not... It's not exactly at the five-week mark he exactly will be here. Usually they speak in terms of four to six weeks or six to eight weeks. And because so there's a, a view of when he could come back as an offensive player. There's a secondary view of when he could come back fully functional as a defensive and offensive player. And that's really where our eye level is with him. So he's down in Florida in Fort Myers. He is going through all of his rehab, and he's working diligently down there with our, our rehabilitation group. He's going to start baseball activities here soon with the thought in mind that he's another weapon for us as we you know start turning the calendar and, and looking towards uh, you know probably a couple weeks out yet. Uh, but he's another line of defense that we now have coming back at some point to really help sub- subsidize the team. Josh Winder, uh, he's been down for a few days as well. Rocco said the other day uh, during our pregame show he's been throwing bullpens here uh, how's that going? And once that is, is, he's through that, does does he need to pitch for St. Paul before rejoining the team? You know, I think I, typically we've done that. You know, we, when a guy's been down for any period of time, we've asked him to go on some form of rehab so that he can, you know, spike back that competitive spirit, you know, on a, a little bit of a safer platform than just coming right back to the big league. So I would expect that Josh will go out on a rehab assignment at some point. With regards to his specific injury, I think it illuminates just everything that goes into evaluations. You have uh, Michael Salazar in our training staff. You have Chris Camp, who is our lead physician, and his medical team. And then you also have the player. And, and you have Wes Johnson, who who's going to factor into it. So there's a lot of voices, a lot of pieces of information that we consider before we activate a guy. And when you're managing a player who is so important to the future of this franchise, and a guy who candidly has not 
delivered 180 plus innings in his career, you want to be very thoughtful and you want to be as as protective and conservative as you can, especially against the backdrop of the fact that we have a little strength right now in our pitching. So we're going to let Josh tell us, we're going to let the medical staff tell us when he is ready to go. And when he is, he'll probably go on a rehab assignment and then factor right back into the big leagues for us. In your conversations with Michael Salazar and the entire medical staff, uh, the funk and the slide that Byron Buxton is, is enduring right now offensively here in the month of May after being the best player in the sport in April is there any connection with the knee to what we're seeing on the field? You know, it's hard, hard to draw a direct correlation. One thing I will tell the fans, and I'm, I'm not here to try to make excuses. We, we know that he went through a little bit of a lull there. But, you know, WRC Plus is, is a number that fans are starting to become a little bit more attuned with. And it's effectively measuring how much above or below the average at your position are you performing at the major league level we also have a number that we use internally and that's a little bit more driven less on the actual outcome of an at-bat but rather on the quality of the at-bat and by that I mean the quality of contact what what is the exit velocity what are the angles like what do those usually produce and so during the time in which on you know on the surface Byron's been struggling a little bit we actually think behind the scenes he's actually been performing just fine um, he's he's had a number of at bats that have should have resulted in forty to sixty five percent hits that have not resulted in hits, and so we're a little bit more attentive to looking at those numbers. The underlying numbers suggest that it's a little bit of a step down from where he had been because he had been in an otherworldly status, <laughs> but the step down isn't as dramatic as the superficial numbers would indicate. One more name I want to ask you about before we take a break because I'm hoping you can separate fact fiction here with with the Chris Paddock injury news and diagnosis because you look at it on the surface what happened were there red flags in September last year for Paddock but the twins still made that trade for Rodgers and Pagan coming over can you just separate fact from fiction about what you knew at the time and what eventually happened with Chris earlier this season so so what fans need to know is when when you're making a trade of this nature you agree on the players that are involved any additional value that is being exchanged and then secondarily it's always pending medical review and so after the trade is completed we are given access to the players who were acquiring their medical files, and so too do we exchange the medical files of the players we're trading. We then have our our medical team review those and give us a risk analysis. And as fans probably can imagine, it's almost never there's a 100% chance of injury or 0% chance of injury. So it's a sliding scale. Uh, we, we apply numbers to it. And, and based upon the number grade, we then assess the risk associated with the, with making the deal. So in this case, we were, we were aware of some issues that Chris was, was having. I think we were also looking at it as it was a three-year time horizon for him. It was a two-year time horizon for Emilio Pagan. And were we willing to take on a little additional risk knowing that we still had uh, you know, the three-year window with Chris as what we felt was a, a middle-of-the-rotation starting caliber pitcher. And we were willing to take the risk. So I, I think there wasn't a lack of knowledge we had. It's it's not perfect in the sense that we knew exactly A to B to C because I think injuries are a little, uh, you know, it's specific to the players as to what they can tolerate. But we were aware that there was a risk associated with that trade. But but what, what you balanced that with was the control you had over him for 2022, 2023, and 2024. And that's why, even though there might have been some risk and some red flags, you were okay with the trade knowing that you have team control for a few more seasons. Yes, and, and also the quality of the, the player we thought we okay. were acquiring. I mean, we, we thought 
for the needs of this franchise, I mean, our fans have seen over the last two to three off seasons, we've had to go sign or trade for two, three, four starting pitchers. We felt this was a guy that we could pin into our rotation for years to come. Additionally, we were also getting two years of control of Emilio Pagan, who we thought was a very serviceable back-end reliever in the, in the game. So in the five years combined service that we were acquiring, we knew there was a risk associated, but we were prepared to take that risk. All right, we'll take our first break on our Sunday show. Come back. Royce Lewis is back. We'll get Thad's thoughts on that. Royce is in the lineup today in center field as Byron Buxton will DH. We'll also talk about the upcoming trip to Toronto the Twins have at the end of this coming week. It's Inside Twins brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer. And our Sunday show continues next on your home for Twins baseball. Welcome back to Inside Twins, our Sunday show brought to you by Killiber Root Beer, locally owned and operated. It's how memories are created and legends are made. Corey Probus back with Twins General Manager Thad Levine, our Sunday guest. Royce Lewis is back, and he was added to the roster today. Jose Miranda was optioned back down, and Royce is back. Thad, not to play short, he's going to be in center field here today for Game 4. And he went down, a lot of debate about that when Correa came back, but Royce went down to play short. Play some third, play some outfield. He'll be in center today. I mean, I think we think he's such a bright part of our future. We also think he's an amazing athlete capable of doing so many different things on the field. I think our fans got a taste of it. He, he really is a dynamic player who, while he was up here a brief period of time, he was helping us prevent runs. He was helping us create runs with his bat, with his his speed. He was really an exciting player to watch. And I, and I, we understand the frustration the fans had when we sent him out. Uh, but the real the real reason we did that, and we stated at the time, was we viewed, obviously, Carlos Correa was going to get the lion's share of plate appearances at shortstop. When we bring up guys like Jose Miranda and Trevor Larnick and Alex Kirilov and, and some of our, the future players uh, that we think are going to be so vital, Royce, Royce Lewis, Ryan Jeffers, like we talk to the coaching staff. We want to have a path forward for real opportunities to contribute on the field. Rather, if we're not able to do that, we'd rather just keep them at AAA and give them a chance to play every day, which is a little bit of the reason why we're now sending Jose Miranda out, because as we're getting a little healthier, there are fewer plate appearances for him up here. We think he's such a huge part of our future. We want to get him every day at bats now. But getting back to Royce, when we sent him out, we did state, you know, we do see a path forward where he could be playing different positions, and that really was the means for him to get a, a, a reasonable number of plate appearances to warrant being up here. And so we sent him down. He was really down for, what, I think 10 or 11 days. During that time, he got a chance to play third base, play center field, play left field. And it wasn't five or six times, obviously. It was really just once or twice. That was enough for us to see that he was capable of doing that because the balancing act we have from a front office perspective is we, we cherish the asset. We know he's such a tremendous player, but we don't want to put him in harm's way. We don't want to be so short-sighted. If you go back to 2019 and in the Fall League, Royce was the MVP of the Fall League that year, and if you look at where he played, he played all over. But if you dig into it, he played all over because, I, I correct me if I'm wrong, that year each team can designate one player that they send to the Fall League that we want this player to be the everyday position player at this position. And I believe that was Alex Kirilov, right, that he was going to was it was it going to be yes, first base? Exactly right. So he was going to play first base, but then late Kirilov had to be lifted from the Fall League because of his wrist injury, and you couldn't go back and say, okay, now that Alex 
is no longer our designated defined defensive player. Can we move Royce to short? At that point, you had no luxury. That's right? exactly it's exactly okay. right. It's a unique element, but what they try to do is they give each team the ability to prioritize positions uh, that they aspire to develop their players at. So that year, we had prioritized first base for Alex. Some other team had already prioritized shortstop. So by the time the replacement opportunity presented itself, they told us the only position we had with regular at-bats would be in the outfield. We said, we'll take it. Royce goes out and plays center field, which was the position he played for a long time when he was in high school. Uh, he transitioned to shortstop late, late in his high school career, so we felt confident he was going to be able to go out there. It was still proximate enough to his time in high school. And so he was able to go out there and perform. And as you mentioned, he really stood out out in the league that year as one of the best players in the entire league, which was star-studded. Yeah, so Royce is back today. Great to see. He will bat seventh, and he will play center field here today for game four. Twins leave for the road after the game today. They'll play five games in four days in Detroit, and then we'll head to Toronto for the first time this season. And that's been a big topic of discussion today. Rocco Baldelli, Derek Falvey have all spoken about this this morning, that Canada has a vaccination policy that if you are not vaccinated, not necessarily boosted, but if you're not vaccinated, you cannot enter the country and you cannot then compete. And Rocco did say that we will have a few players that are not vaccinated and will not go to Toronto. Names, numbers that will come later in the week. But if you can, give the audience an idea about what that means for the roster. How do you fill those spots? Where do they come from? And how do you fill those vacancies, however many players it is, later in the week? Uh, unfortunately, the gifts that COVID has given us keep keep coming in the sense that this is something we just have never had to deal with before when you're planning a championship-caliber season. And so this has been a topic of conversation for us for the last couple of weeks because the way the rules are written is that we can replace the players who are not vaccinated. However, uh, the same option rules exist, which is to say that if you have a pitcher who's been down less than 15 days, he cannot be a replacement player. If you have a position player down less than 10 days, he cannot be a replacement player. So when we make decisions like bringing up Royce Lewis today and sending Jose Miranda out, it has an, an additional layer of challenge for us because now Jose Miranda, unless he's replacing somebody who gets injured in between now and Toronto, he cannot be a replacement player for us to go to Toronto. And so uh, it's been a little bit limiting. Uh, we have not necessarily made all the moves that we would have considered making based upon preparation for Toronto, but that's the, that's the nature of our jobs. We have to plan for the future. Uh, we're living day-to-day, but we have to plan for the future, and that, that will factor into our decision-making. And, and the big league players, the Twins players, whoever they are, they go on the, the restricted list. Do they get paid, and do they get service time? So they, they don't. Uh, they don't technically. And, and I think the other thing I should have said is we have the ability to bring guys up from the minor leagues who are not on our 40-man roster. They do take up 40-man spots, but we will then have the ability to send them back down to the minor leagues without exposing them to waivers if we so choose. So that, that's the compromise that the union made with the commissioner's office to give teams a little bit more latitude to make some of these roster uh, amendments without necessarily jeopardizing losing additional players uh, just for that one series. And the guys who, who, who are not vaccinated, they, they come back here. 
Will there be coaches around here? Because they can't go play then for the Saints, right? They're on the restricted list, but can they work out? Is there a group that's going to stick around here to help them get some field work in during that time? Absolutely. You know, we will have we'll have some coaches who will stay here and will help out. We'll have some of our medical rehab staff stay here and work out with the guys so that they will be raring to go when we when we get off the road. We'll have a day off at the end of the the trip, but we're going to treat this as not four days off for these guys, but. Uh, opportunities for them to continue to develop continue to work and get treatment during the height of the pandemic uh during the season taxi squads they were very much in play and i believe the royals have like three or four guys here as, as part of a taxi squad so can teams have a taxi squad and if so is there a set firm number how many you can bring with you on, on any road trip yeah so the, the rules with the taxi squad are a little bit different now than they were at the height of COVID, as you referenced we were able to carry guys without an obligation to activate them we do know if you if you designate somebody on your taxi squad, you actually have an obligation to activate him in a in a shorter period of time, uh, so that you know that you're just not housing an additional four to five players on your team. I think Kansas City, like so many of us, were dealing with some real COVID concerns, and so when they're traveling on the road, they wanted to have some augmentation in the event that the, the COVID issue became more prevalent than it had been. Uh, so you're seeing a lot of that. Uh, show up in the game nowadays it's just a finite amount of time that you can have those additional players with your team before you're going to have to activate them or send them back down all right we'll take our final break come back wrap things up with that levine next on your home for twins baseball Final minute of our Sunday show, Inside Twins, brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer, locally owned and operated. It's how memories are created and legends are made. I want to finish with this with Kansas City because Chris Archer talked about this yesterday. Tyler Duffy did the same on Thursday night. Tough team to strike out. Contact-driven lineup. They've been that way for a long time. Where does that foundation begin for the Royals or any team in about 30 seconds? Well, so I, th- I think, you know, we, we talk about there's not – specifically the Twins way anymore. There is a Royals way. They they, they hit to contact. Their speed wreaks havoc on the base paths. It's a fun team to watch, honestly. Like, it's a very unique team in the game right now where speed is such a weapon for these guys. So they battle you. They make every defensive play tough because their average speed is very high. They go first to third. They're scoring from second on every single. They're scoring from first on doubles. They put a ton of pressure on defenses. Thanks for stopping by. Enjoy the conversation. Absolutely my pleasure. Uh, we thank Thad Levine. Stay tuned. Chris's pregame is next on your home for Twins Baseball. You've been listening to Inside Twins, brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer, locally owned and operated. It's how memories are created and legends are made. This has been a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network.